on this early spring morning, would you stand with us and join us in singing That's the Power? stands defiant sends Goliath to his knees I've seen his praise unravel shackles right off my feet yeah is that the power of your name just a mention
on, church, if you believe that today, give God praise. Yes, thank you, God. I love the season that we're in. Uh, if you're not familiar with the church calendar, that's okay. But uh, just as a reminder, this is what we call Lent. This is the Lenten season. And really, I just am reminded uh, of a couple weeks ago, Ash Wednesday, when we talked about how Lent is really this invitation to be present with Jesus in the garden that often for us as believers, it's really easy to focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus died, but he rose again and he brings resurrection life to each of us individually, right? But I think in the Lenten season, we have this unique opportunity to be present with Christ while he is fully God, he is also fully man, that Christ experienced a lot of the same suffering, grief, and pain that we experience in this life. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, I find great encouragement in that, that I don't serve a God who is distant, who doesn't understand my situations and circumstances, but I serve a God who has gone through a lot of the same struggles, grief, sadness, pain, all of that that I have gone through. And I think for us today, there is an invitation from the Holy Spirit to press into that, to see our own pain and to see Christ with us present in that pain. <laughs> We're going to sing a new song. We actually sang it last week. But uh, I love the words of this song because it brings to mind the suffering of Jesus Christ, the agony that he faced. And church, I got a word for you. He did it for every single person in this room. He did it for all of you online. Like he suffered for you. He gave of his life freely for you. For those of you who might be struggling with just feeling God's love today, I just pray that you sense that in this song, in this time of worship together. So we're going to sing this, and let's just invite the Spirit of God to do what he wants to in this place.
very life away he took upon himself all our guilt and shame hanging on the cross for the world he loved with his precious blood
church let's sing this again Father God, I just pray, Lord, over our church, over every person in this room, every person online. Lord, in the places of our hearts where we doubt your love for us, God, may we be reminded that you are a good God, that you are a father that no matter how far we may run away, Lord, that 
when we turn back to you, God, you welcome us with open arms. God, in response, may our hearts just continue to cry, holy, holy. May we respond, Lord, with our praise, our adoration. We're so grateful for all you do, and we just invite you to continue to move today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Church, we're going to finish with one more song, and I, I think this is a great way to just put an exclamation point on all God has done for us. Let's sing together. To the King of Heaven.
as just beautiful worship this morning. And you know, the Psalms tell us that the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. And so you can rest assured that he is here this morning and he sees you and he loves you and he knows you. And just as we sang, we cast our crowns at his feet, which mean all the things that we have and the things he's given us, we give them back to him. He wants to hear what's on your heart this morning. He wants to hear if you have a need, whether it's big or whether it's small. How do you need him this morning? He wants to hear that from you. He just wants our honest hearts. So as we go to a time of prayers, I pray for you. If you have a need, great or small, I just invite you to take a seat right where you are. Some people might come and put a hand on your shoulder, and that's just to let you know that we're a family here. You aren't alone. You don't have to walk hard things out by yourself, that we want to come alongside and be with you. So let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you love us unconditionally, that you inhabit the praise that we give to you, that you are present with us, whether we feel you or whether we don't. None of that matters. You are here. We can trust that you have come, and you've come to minister. God, just as we read about in the Bible, the miracles you performed, you perform them today. And so for each and every need that's represented here and online, God, we ask you to meet them. For those who, who are grieving, those who have sorrow in their hearts, Father, would you be the Prince of Peace? Would you be the great comforter and come and put your arms around them? For those who have physical needs, emotional needs, health needs, Father, we pray that you would be the healer. You would be the great physician where we need you to be. Father, for those who need guidance and direction, that you would be the one to light their path and show them the way forward. And for those who are celebrating your goodness today and the way that you have blessed us, Father, we celebrate with them and we thank you. You are a gracious and good God. And we pray for our brothers and sisters at Coastal Community Church, Lord, that you would meet with them, that you would bless their congregation, that you would minister to them exactly how they need it, and that they would go out in joy proclaiming your good name. Father, we pray for Marissa and Noel around the world in Zambia. God, they have need of transportation. They need a vehicle to do the ministry that you've called them to. Father, would you make a way for that to happen? Would you bring them a vehicle that they might continue the work? in Zambia, Lord, that you have laid on their hearts to do. And then, Father, we just want to pause a moment and thank you for your gratitude. Thank you for your generosity to us. It's with gratitude, Lord, that we come to you. And we say everything that we have is because you gave it to us, and we thank you for that. Help us to grow in generosity to those around us by the giving of those gifts that you have given to us, the resources you have given to us, that we might spread your name throughout the world. We love you this morning. We praise your name, and it's in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Well, if you are here in the worship center, you may take a seat. I want to welcome you. I want to thank you for coming to All Shores this morning. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you could join us. If you're a guest with us, especially welcome. 
we want to get a gift into your hands. You can do that one of two ways. We'd love for you to fill out our connection card. You can access that through the QR code. But if you're here in the worship center, you can also do that on a actual hard copy out at our connection point. And we have a gift for you that we would love to get into your hands, get to know you a little bit better, and help you take your next step here at All Shores. Well, we also want to just thank you for um, preparing for Easter, praying for your Frank list. And we have a few things in the lobby that might help you as you invite people to Easter service. We have little Easter eggs that have invitations in them. We also have a flyer that will tell you all about all the things happening here at Easter and when services are um, so that you just don't miss anything. And we also have a letter just giving you a little bit of information in advance of our next fiscal year, which starts in June. And so there's a little handout that we'd like for you to take. If you get our weekly newsletter, you've already gotten that in your email. But if you don't, we do want you to get one of those letters on the way out as well. Well, it is with generous hearts that we give back to the Lord our tithes and our offerings, and this is the time in the service where we do just that. The ways to give are on the screen, but this is just a continuation of worship for us. We want giving to be joyful and out of a place of abundance in your heart, and so we pray God's generosity over you. There are gift boxes in the lobby if you choose to do that. And there's a lot more going on here, so take a look at the screens for some more announcements. Hey church, this weekend is step two of the journey. If you're new to our church, the journey is the best next step from one of our services to getting plugged in, getting to know more about All Shores, and ultimately finding your place somewhere in our church. Step two happens the second Sunday of every month at our Spring Lake campus. And as we say, step two is all about you. It's all about your personality. It's all about your spiritual gifts. It's all about how God has designed you, that we wanna help you discover that. And it happens during our 11 o'clock service. So if you've got little kids, you can check them into kids ministry just like you would for service. It takes place in our upstairs conference room, which if you don't know where that is, no worries. Just ask our team. We would love to help you find your way there. Hey, All Shores. I want to invite you to our next worship night, which is going to be Friday, March 24th at 6.30 p.m. And I'm really, really anticipating this night because it's gonna be our first worship night at our Muskegon campus. It's happening right in the middle of our season of Lent where we're gonna take time to just reflect on Jesus's life and ministry. And at this night, we're gonna spend some time together worshiping, giving our thanks and gratitude to the Lord. So mark your calendars for Friday, March 24th. Muskegon campus, don't forget, and I hope to see you there. It is as bad as the experts feared. Hurricane Ian has made landfall there are a few in Florida. Corners the of a massive state of California to leave and have it. We have some breaking news are. out of Virginia where police say a six-year-old is in custody. U.S. officials say that up to 100 youths. Tonight, a battle to control the state of Sinaloa, Mexico. As Hurricane Ian slays in the deadly mass shooting in Chesapeake, Virginia. Six
Well, welcome those of you in Spring Lake, those who are joining us online. How many of you got here early today thinking this is the 9 o'clock service? No? Okay. <laughs> you got up today. Spring forward with Pastor Spring. That's what you get today. So, all right. We are in week three of our series on Off the Grid. Today we're going to be talking about uh, commentary versus community, what God is developing in us as we get off the grid. And before we get to that, uh, I just want us to just pause. We believe that the Holy Spirit, the breathe life into God's word, is here with us and uh, speaks to us. And so we want to prepare ourselves to hear from him today. So if you would, just in a moment of silence, let's bow our heads and let's ask God to prepare us. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. And Lord, uh, as we open up your word, thinking about all the things that we've gone through over the last week or last month, all that is happening around us, it is good that we can come before you, open up your word that does not change, and that we worship a God that does not change. And so we can be assured that as we spend time with you and spend time in your word, it actually aligns us and changes us to what you would have. And so, Lord, today, whatever you have for us, that it would stick, that it would correct us, that it would challenge us, that it would convict us, that it would change us. And God, if there's anything of me today, I pray that it would fall to the ground and be forgotten. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. amen. Well, I will have to tell you a little uh, you know, side note. Today's message is brought to you by DayQuil. Um, <laughs> when you want to breathe and don't want to feel your face, DayQuil. So I can't say first hour went all that great, but we're going we're gonna to do this again, all right? So, um, just fighting off a cold this week. But anyway, um, my wife and I uh, recently experienced a loss in our family, and some of you know this. Uh, Jerry Lynn's uh, mother passed away uh, several weeks ago, and uh, so we've been kind of living in this grief. But this is a, a new season for us. This is the first loss of a parent that we've had and someone like this, and um, we found ourselves in this tension of dealing with wanting to be alone in our grief and yet wanting to be in community. And that, that was somewhat new for us. Um, and, and it created that tension, if you will, of wanting to get away from other people and then wanting to be around other people. We, we'd be at home and alone, but then individuals would stop by. We had our group. Uh, our group's great. And uh, we have members in our group that would stop by and they brought us dinner and dropped off cards and did some things for us. And there was something just beautiful about being together in that grief. And I realized that that, that tension of being alone and yet being with others is not a tension that we're supposed to solve, right? It's not to be resolved. It's not one extreme or the other. It's both. It's a tension to be managed in our lives. And uh, you don't have to experience loss of an individual, loss of a family member to, to, to know what this is like. Over COVID, many of us, uh, you know, we experienced this tension, probably didn't handle it all that well. 
where we found ourselves being secluded, being alone, and still desiring community. And I think what we did was we replaced community or our understanding of what it means to be in community. We replaced that with commentary. We used social media and websites and other things where it wasn't face-to-face and being in a room with individuals. It was texting. It was posting. It was saying things about others. And I don't know if you know this, but on Facebook, uh, at least Facebook businesses uh, receive two times the negative comments that they do for the positive ones. And that's probably true for some of the personal pages as well. And so we, we think we're in community, but we're just spending time on our phones. We're alone, and we're trying to fill that gap of being with others, and we think that being on our phone for several hours and commenting and scrolling and going through things is fulfilling that need, and it's, it's not. It's actually making things a little bit worse for us. And when we talk about going off the grid, which is our series over Lent, as North Americans, we are so addicted to television and phones and internet and social media that we isolate ourselves for hours at a time. We, we are changed by our culture and all of that influence. Many of us have decreased our time over Lent. We've been challenged to do that. Pastor Pete, over the last several weeks, has been challenging us to spend less time on our devices and less time in front of the tube and less time on our computers But have we considered replacing that time with being together in community? Have we lost what it looks like to be around other people and to know what that is supposed to look like? As Christians, we have a rich history of being off the grid. In other other words, letting go of culture and the things around us and, and just pursuing God. At least historically, the church has had a lot of a practice of being off the grid. You've got monks and monasteries. You've got the pilgrims who left Europe and came to the States. Just north of us, you have a group of people, the Amish, who live separate from culture, right? And, and different than we live. They're not affected by, I mean, if we even talked about off the grid, they wouldn't know what that meant. They're not affected by these things and by the culture. And so the Christian church has had some rich history of some examples of that. One of my, I got a couple of favorites, but one of them uh, is Simeon the Stylite. He was a third century monk, and uh, he became so frustrated at being around other people that he lived off the grid on a 50-foot pillar with a 10-foot section on the top for 37 years. Some of you who are, uh, yeah, don't want to be around people, maybe this is an idea. I don't know. But, um, and individuals would come by, uh, shepherd boys would feed him with a rope going up and down. uh, And in the deserts of Syria, he spent 37 years on this pillar, separate and away from society, trying to pursue God. And I'm not saying that he didn't find God. Uh, As a matter of fact, when they found him, Uh, Dead, he was in a prayer position on top of the pillar. But I'm not sure that that's what God desires of us as human beings, to be off the grid, right? Another story that is uh, a little bit closer to home is uh, in 1936, there was a family in Russia that was a part of the old believers. They were Russian Orthodox, and they were a very strict group of uh, Russian Orthodox. Um, 
1936, things in Russia uh, were, were changing because of the Bolsheviks, um, and things were becoming less and less Christian. And so one family decided that they would move. Uh, a father named Karp uh, Lykov um, moved his wife and his two children, and they moved 150 miles into the Siberian forest. Sorry about that. They moved 150 miles away from anyone in order to be off the grid and to get away from the influence of culture. Sorry about that, guys. It's just the reality. 150 miles away. And... uh, they lived there until 1978 when a geologist was flying over and saw the farm and decided to, uh, to just uh, send some people to find out what was going on. And they, they found the Lykov family. They had, they had had two more children while they were off the grid, and they lived alone out there. Um, and that was 1978. So if you're doing the math, four decades they had lived off the grid. And I, I was trying to think, like, what would it have been like to try to explain to them what had happened in the world around them during that time? World War II was already over. USSR was developed, right? The United Nations was now a thing. The president of the United States had been assassinated. Before that, Russia and the U.S. had space programs, and we had been to the moon. And there was color television in people's homes, can you imagine trying to explain to the Lykovs who are in the middle of nowhere with nothing what it was, what nuclear weapons were, the Beatles, and television? Like, it's just crazy. And what I find striking is the world had changed so much around them, but they themselves were not changed. And I, there's something beautiful about that. But they were one part of the extreme, they, they were off the grid but they did not know what it was like to be in community. So much so that after uh, three of the children died in 1981, the only child left was Agafia, and uh, her and her father lived. He died in 1988, and this is Agafia. Uh, she was uh, flown in 2016, was flown to a hospital in Russia because of an injury to her leg, but after that, she went back. And to this day, students uh, from universities go out to help her on the farm, but she lives alone to this day off the grid. And I just find that so amazing that, that individuals can separate themselves so much from the community and from the culture, and in some ways it is good because they're not affected by what is happening around them. And that's one extreme. And if you think about where we live today, we're the other extreme, aren't we, church? We're we're the other extreme where you wouldn't be able to define what a Christian looks like in our culture because we are so affected by culture. We do what everyone else does in our culture. Other than maybe an hour on Sunday mornings, people wouldn't know that there's anything different about the way that we live. We are driven. We are changed by culture. We're on our phones as much. We spend our money on the same things. We watch the same things on TV. We go to the same movies. 
and people would not be able to identify us. So you've got these two extremes of being in community and being changed, church, by that community and by the culture around us so affected that we forget what it's like to be what God has called us to be. And then you have individuals who are so extreme and off the grid that they might have this deeper understanding of who God is, but they have no idea how to live with others. And it's not a tension to be resolved, it's one to be managed because I think God desires both in us. And I hope today we will find a little bit of what does that look like and what do we do to find that balance. Jesus prayed a prayer with his disciples on the night that he was arrested. Uh, During the time of the Last Supper, Jesus prayed over his disciples and as part of that high priestly prayer, he said this, I have given them your word, and the word has, in the world has hated them. So there's something about when you are a follower of Christ, when you are a believer, you don't quite fit. The world doesn't understand what it means to be a follower. He says, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Two times, Jesus says, listen, I came from heaven. I'm not from here. I left heaven to come here to be with you. And now that you belong to me, you don't fit here either. You are in the world, but you're not of it. And he didn't pray that God would take us off the grid and that we would not be affected completely by culture, but that we would be in the world, but protected that we'd be in the world but not of it, that we would, we would understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the midst of a community and a culture that is changing and moving, but that we remain the same. And there's something beautiful about that, that we are unaffected and can be with each other. The early church believed that this was possible, to not be driven by culture but be influenced by God, to not be transformed by what others say but be transformed by what God is saying, to be in the world and not of it. The Apostle Paul wrote much of the New Testament that we have today, and he spent several years in a place called Ephesus. And my wife and I last May had the privilege of actually being in Ephesus. And uh, this is one of our photos that I took, and this is the library there in Ephesus. And Ephesus was a unique place, and Paul worked there. He was a tent maker. He sold items here, just around this corner, there's a marketplace, and he sold his tents in this area. But he not only was a part of the community and lived there, there was diversity, diversity of race, diversity of people, diversity of gods that they worshipped. But subtly, Paul just influenced. The church began to grow. And it wasn't because they were trying to change things In this culture, they were just trying to simply change things for individuals, and that began to change the culture. There was a a riot that took place in Acts 19 when Paul was here in Ephesus, and because people were starting to convert to Christianity, there was a riot that took place because uh, the idols that they were selling in the marketplace to the god Artemis uh, were no longer selling because people... People were worshiping Jesus. So the economy was being affected by Christians, not because they did something 
horrible, but because they just stopped buying gods. Maybe there's something in that for us, right? What are we spending our money on and the idols that we have today, and how would that influence if we as the church were no longer doing that? That's a different sermon, maybe. Um, I didn't say that first hour, so you, you got that. It's the Dayquil. Um, so this riot started, and um, the entire city, it says in Acts 19, went to this amphitheater, and uh, they brought the Christians down front, and this place was filled. It's, it's, a, it's huge. It's large. And uh, the water used to be here. It's why Ephesus is actually was deserted, because the water uh, moved out like four miles from the location. So they just abandoned this beautiful city, and it's why all of this is still there. It's, it's amazing. But the people there, uh, the entire city was, was yelling, you know, praise Artemis, and, you know, kind of down with the Christians, right? Until the city clerk, who was not a believer, the city clerk stood up down here and quieted the crowd, said, hey, hey, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit before this goes any further. And in Acts 19, 37, he says, basically, listen, the Christians haven't done anything. They haven't robbed you. They haven't blasphemed you. They're just living here among us, taking care of each other, loving one another. They haven't done anything to bring about this riot. So why are we doing this? They're not bad. I wonder what the city clerk would say, you know, if, if he was in our day. He might say something like, they aren't protesting your stores or what you sell. They aren't commenting on your Facebook posts. They aren't running against you for political office. They aren't pushing your agenda over or their agenda over yours. They're not doing these things. They're just loving each other. Would that our world would have that to say about the church today, but I think it's the opposite, is it not? Many people believe that the church is the last place to find acceptance to find people who love one another. Would that the world would say things of us that we are not posting online negative things about others, that we are not commenting negatively on, on social media, that we're not tearing others down for their belief, that we are not name-calling, that we are not protesting. We are simply loving one another. And what kind of influence would that have on our culture to be in the world but not like it, not of it. So Paul writes to this church in Ephesus after this takes place. He finds himself in Rome, and he writes to this diverse church, and he has this to say. As a prisoner being in chains in Rome for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This word urge here means I, I plead with you, I it's the same word in the Greek that is used of Jairus in the Gospels when he pleads with Jesus to heal his daughter. If you've ever had a child that is near death and crying out, that's the urgency by which Paul is calling the church. I urge you, I plead with you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. To live a life that honors God. To live a life that is different than the rest of the culture. 
that you can be recognized as one who belongs to God, one who has been with Jesus. That's the calling. And so what does that look like? Verse 2, it says, I want you to be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humility, gentleness, and patience are three of the fruits of the Spirit, which means it's the character that God develops in us when we find ourselves alone with God, when the Holy Spirit meets us and we spend time in silence, solitude, prayer, and worship, and we are abiding with God, God does something in us to bring about this character in our lives, learning to bear with one another in love. It's, it's connected to that patience of long-suffering, hanging in there with other people in love. Interesting, these character traits, though, all have to do with when we are around other people. So it might be easy for us to go off the grid, but that's not just where God wants to leave us is off the grid. He wants us to be in community with others because how would you ever learn to be humble if you were always with yourself or learn to be gentle around others or learn to be gentle if no one was ever around you driving you crazy or learn to be patient with individuals who fail you over and over and over again just like we do God. These are character traits and something that, that Paul is saying to the church. I want you to live this way among other people. And by living this way, you are different than the rest of the culture. You're not influenced by the culture. You're influenced by your time of abiding and being with God. There is something about being off the grid, being with God. You develop the character that you need to be with others, right? So being humility that God develops in us is approaching others with the understanding and belief that they are in just as much need of God as we are. That we are sinners saved by God's grace. That we are not so amazing that we didn't need Jesus Christ to die for us. We did. And we need him each and every day. And so do other people. And there is nothing about them that is less than who we are. It doesn't matter what they believe what, what views they have, what opinions they might have that are different than ours, we are both in need of a Savior and approaching them with that. Gentleness is not responding to attack or ridicule. It's turning the other cheek. In the Roman culture, it was seen as a weakness, but in the kingdom of God and for Jesus, it's a sign of strength to be able to stand against someone who is criticizing you, who is attacking you, and to be able to not say anything. It's what Jesus did as he stood before Pilate. How could Jesus stand before those who accused him of something he did not do? But he had just spent time in the garden with God. Not my will, but yours be done. And there was something that happened to Jesus in that alone time that allowed him to stand before his accusers and go, hey, look, I belong to him. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, and they did. But I don't have to respond. I don't have to attack. I don't have to comment. I know who I belong to. Gentleness is being 
able to stand because you know where you stand with God. Patience or long-suffering is the idea of bearing with, as Paul says, bearing with one another. It's experiencing failure and failure and failure and others again and again and again and going, all right, one more time. Because it's the same way that God treats us. Oh, I'm so thankful that God doesn't just stop one day and go, all right, no more mistakes, Dad. Right? Because every day I have to go to him and go, man, I blew that again. I blew that. I, I messed up here. And he says, I forgive you. I love you. Let's try it again. And that's the patience that he wants us to have with others. And how much more receptive would others be to the church if we actually did treat them that way? To bear with one another in love, which the word he uses there is agape. It's the highest level of love. It's unconditional. And this is hard to do. This is hard to do with difficult people, with those who let you down, with those who disagree with you, with those who have a different agenda. But there's something beautiful that happens, church, when we can be unaffected by the culture around us, but yet be together in community with patience and gentleness, bearing with one another, having humility. Paul says this, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is an imperative in the Greek. So he's not just asking us to do this. He's telling us. He's commanding us. Give it your best to keep the unity, the oneness of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When you are with others, you start with God. It's not about culture and this view and that view. Let's start with who we are in Christ. We need to learn something of that, church. And then he concludes with this idea. He says, because there is one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called the one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's all about God. It's about Jesus Christ and your relationship with Jesus, and that is where we start. We don't argue about all these other things and affected by culture, but we start with who we are in Christ, and there's something beautiful that takes shape when we start there and we learn that that's who we are and the world can change and it can fall apart. The Bolsheviks don't exist anymore. It didn't affect the Lykovs in Russia. It doesn't affect us today. Empires have fallen. Ephesus is in ruins Our world can change, but you know what still remains? The church. Everywhere around the world, the church. Because it's a group of people that recognize it's not about the culture that changes us. It's about God who changes us so that we can be in culture. We can be in community together. Being with God, you develop the character to be with others. Being alone with God, you develop the character to be with others. God wants us to learn more about that community and not just making comments, but being with others. Jesus modeled this for us. 
whether it was going away into the wilderness for 40 days before he began his ministry, or in Mark chapter 1, he goes away early in the morning, and this became a regular practice for him to go away with the Lord in the morning. And then when he came back, he would begin his work and his teaching and his ministry and healing people. And then he would go away again, and he would come back, and you see it in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then shortly thereafter, the cross, going away and then finding compassion. That's a tension to be managed in our lives that you and I can do the same. If you're having a hard time being around others, start with God. Seek that. Maybe that's your next step. Lord, what do you want to change in me? And what do I need to be reminded of? That you are sovereign, that you are in charge, that you're not going to fail, you're not going to let me down, you're going to be there for me. Like, what do we need to be reminded of so that we can go back into our community and not be affected by it, not be changed by it, but to stand strong? During this series, uh, maybe for some of you, it's taking that step of being off the grid and finding this unique alone time with the Lord, scripture, prayer, worship, and solitude. We have... uh, tools to help you with this. We've got these uh, cards. This is also available online. We've got scripture readings for each day, and every scripture reading for this coming week has to do with being around others. So it could be a challenge. But then there's a challenge to sit, to sit with the Lord quietly, to read the scripture, to pause and reflect and repeat this. There's a prayer of confession. And this is just a simple way for you to begin this if you haven't done it already, to begin this practice of being alone with the Lord. But some of you might need to take the next step, which is, man, I've been in solitude. It's time for me to step into community. I, I, I'm wrestling with what does it look like to be with others. And we launched groups a couple weeks ago, but it is, there is still time to be in a group. We have uh, this is our online page, and there's a list of uh, several different groups. We have more than 60 groups, but we have 30 groups that are new this semester and uh, are open to other people joining, whether it be groups for men or women and couples and different times of, of the week. Maybe it's time for you to step into that and say, I need, I need to be in community. I, I need to know what it looks like to live in that and uh, so allshores.org slash groups, um, you can find that or at our connection point at all of our campuses. So I don't know which is the tension you're feeling this morning, <laughs> if it's to be alone or if it's to be with others, but God desires both, and it is something that we can manage together. And when we do it right, church, ah. We're not affected by the culture. We're not affected by the things around us as individuals. And we can learn to love one another and be set apart. We can be in the world and not of it. So we're going to close with a prayer of confession that we've been using each week. And I would love for you to read this prayer together with me. Father, I confess I have sought life and hope in other ways than through you. Forgive me, Jesus, for seeking life outside of you. Free me from the hooks of temptation. Help me to die to these patterns of ways of sin. Clothe me in the new life of your Holy Spirit in me. Change me, fill me, direct me. Lord, 
Help me find life in you, moment by moment and day by day, in all circumstances. Jesus, you are my Savior. Father, you are my greatest gift. Holy Spirit, you are my source. Lord, I commit to worship you only. Lead me to this new life. In your holy name, amen. Father, I pray that we would be people who are in the world, yet not of it. That like your disciples, we would find that our citizenship and our who we are is found in Christ and not in culture. And Lord, as we engage with others in community, that we don't have to respond like the rest of society or the rest of culture, but we can respond like you did in strength and humility and gentleness and patience and love. God, we desire to be more like you. And so I pray that you would develop the fruit of the Spirit in us, that we might be more like you as we learn to balance and manage this tension of being alone with you, that we might have the character to be with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to close out the service in communion And what a powerful and great way to be reminded that we are one in Christ. That for centuries all over the world, every time people gather together with different walks of life, different race, different language, different socioeconomic status, different opinions, different politics, we can come together and be reminded that we first and foremost belong to Jesus and he has saved us. And so in a moment, we're going to partake together, but I'm going to ask you to stand as we prepare ourselves and we spend uh, a few moments in worship together. Christ is my firm foundation. Everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So
you came in, uh, you should have received a, a cup, and uh, there are two layers on the top of that, if this is new for you. There's a first layer that you peel back, and you'll receive the bread, and then the second layer is the juice. And as we take communion, this is a sacred moment, but we invite all people from all walks of life. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to be a part of our church or our denomination just simply that you are pursuing Jesus. As Paul said in Ephesians, there is one Lord, one hope. And that's the Lord we gather before today. And so we invite you to partake together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. He said to his disciples, this is my body given for you. Willingly. He didn't fight it. He knew that this was God's will, and he trusted himself fully to God for the results. Now, you and I wouldn't be here today if Jesus hadn't set that example for us. That we need to be humble, gentle, and receive what God has for us and not be swayed by our culture. Let us take in remembrance of him. And then taking the cup, he said, this is the blood of a new covenant, my blood, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. There's not one person that isn't in dire need of the forgiveness of their sins and salvation. We are not better than anyone else. We are not worse. We're just simply in need of Jesus. And so together... Let us take in remembrance. Father, I thank you that as we come before you, you remind us of who you are. And by so doing, you remind us who we are in Christ. I pray that, Lord, this week we would discover what it's like to manage that tension of being alone with you and developing the character that we can be around others, that we would be more like Christ in those moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
I want to invite you to come back next week as we continue our series, and uh, I want to invite you to uh, to take one of those cards with you this morning, or go online, and, and if you're not doing the scripture readings, uh, maybe take a step towards that, or get involved in a group. There's a connection point out there that has the information of our groups, and we have people who would love to talk to you about getting connected in community. But we build our foundation on Jesus Christ so that we're not influenced by the culture and by the world. That's the goal. So we want you to participate in this season of Lent as we pursue that together. Once you open up your hands and I'll give a blessing. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continually fill you with his spirit. And may this week you experience his presence in your life. May you discover and develop the character that God wants you to have as you live in community and in a culture that is not godly, but that you would be godly in the midst of it, that you would be in the world, but not of it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.